0: Dadhood Modern Dadhood Podcast <laughs> righty, Adam. Want to make a sode?
1: Yeah, let's make an let's make an episode of a podcast. Let's make a sode of the pod. Just hit the buttons, do the records, put the headphones on and go. Friends, dear friends. We're all listening to Modern Dadhood. Which is an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, general insanity of being a dad in this moment. Just today alone, I've experienced joys, challenges, and insanity all in one day.
0: The trifecta. Yeah. It's
1: not not rare. No, it's not. My name, by the way, is Mark Checkett, and I am a dad to twin boy
0: four-year-olds. And who? My good, dear friend are you my name is adam Flaherty, and i am a did you forget did you forget the last part no it was a dramatic pause oh my bad sorry my name is adam (sighs) Flaherty, (sighs) and i'm a dad to two daughters who are eight and five and i have gray hair on the sides of my head and a little bit a little wisp right in front just to paint a, a picture for our listeners it's a good look for you though it is Mark, I know we've been bringing in some new listeners lately, so I want to take a moment here to say welcome to any new listeners. If this is your first episode of Modern Dadhood, we want to welcome you. We're glad you're here. You can learn more, listen to past episodes, see who our guests have been and what topics we've covered at moderndadhood.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to us wherever you listen, leave a rating and review, all of that good stuff. But most of all... We're just glad you're here. What's a good episode
1: for a, a new listener to start with, Adam? Mm, Winston E. Scott. That's my answer. I'm going to come up with a come different on. answer. How about discovering the hidden gems with John Class in episode Clawson. 29? Yeah. That's a good one. I'm sure some of our listeners have some of his books
0: in their house. The Hat Trilogy. Yeah. 100%. We kinda went We went deep on that one. Yeah. You know, some some conversations are sort of like surface level, and that's mm-hmm. great. Some of them go deep. Klaassen is do. a deep guy. Some of them do. Um, oh, today's guest, Mark. Oh, let's talk about today's guest. Yeah, today's guest is Tessa White, and she's a transgender parent of five, and I can't wait to talk to her in a few minutes.
1: You know... I think before we get too far, I think I'd like to do something that both you and I, and maybe some of our listeners, would actually really get, get a, a, a good sort of cathartic sensation out of. A sensation? Yeah. Is it like a laughter sensation? Is it euphoria? No, this is like um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that we all want to do from time to time.
0: Armpit farts.
1: All right. I'm very good at that, but no, that's not what I'm talking about. I have, I have in my hand here a, a knife. Now, before you freak out, I have in my other hand here. This is going to be a little ASMR as well for the listeners out there that are into that kind of thing. Okay, my other hand, I have.
0: Oh, I have a helium balloon that just won't die. Okay. And I can see this because Mark and I are on video. This is one of those like foil. You can hear, you can hear the yes. sound of it. This is one of those foil ones. Yeah. We were just talking about it with Chris Gethard. It's the, one of these balloons that you get your kid for a birthday, yeah, and then six weeks later, it's still in the house. It's it's floating at at about ankle height. <laughs> okay,
1: it is. It refuses to die, and this is not the only one. There are are three others in this household. And of course, if I, if I try to rid the house of these balloons in full view of the the children, there will be a a revolt. There will be a meltdown. Yeah.
0: Are they all at different like densities? So one hovers a little closer to the ceiling. One is like waist height.
1: Yeah. There's actually still one that's, that's quite strong. It's really, it's really going, it's been tied to the back of a, a dining room chair for, I mean, I mean for over a month. At this point,
0: at least it's tied down because yeah. it's when they roam free yeah, that they kind of wander into a room. Uh, I mean, I balloons just like that one have scared the piss out of me before <laughs> this one that I
1: hold in my hand has gone all the way upstairs. OK, into um, me and my wife's bedroom. Like it's it's yeah, like it's it, it's following us, you know, and it knows what terrifies us. And I thought um, now that my children are asleep and it's just me and you here and our microphones, I, I thought I might put this one out of its misery. Just take the old W, you know what I'm saying? Take a win for all of us, <laughs> all of us parents here. So I thought, I thought I could, I would do that in, in, and, and commemorate it on the, on the, on the podcast. How do you feel about that?
0: I mean, I love that. And, and I love the idea of ASMR. I'm wondering how are you going to do this in such a way that it stretches out the audio? You know, this is going to, is this going to be a very quick thing? Or are you going to do a small incision and then push the air out? <laughs> gonna, we're going
1: to, we're going to make it last for a sec. So it's going to be a small incision and in the, in the air is just going to, it's just going to leave the body of the balloon and, and, and it will no longer have any power over any of us anymore. First, I'm going to open, first, I'm going to open my knife. Okay. It's a good click. Yeah, it's a it's a Gerber utility knife for anyone who. Okay.
0: You can and you can you can hear. I <laughs> think you ruined the ASMR experience when you just start talking in a normal voice. I'm sorry. You can you gotta talk like this. You can hear wh- that it's
1: um, it's already lost much of its air you <sharp inhale>
0: beautiful thing. Thank you so much for sharing that. If there's oh. one good thing about that type of balloon, mm-hmm. it's that when you do get to the point where you destroy it, you can condense the garbage very small and sort of hide it under other st- I mean it'll never be seen.
1: No, I'm going to hide that under um, a couple of dirty paper towels and an old can of cat food and what
0: satisfaction. I felt really good. Mark, I'm really looking forward to Tessa. It reminds me in some ways of the feeling that I had before we chatted with Stephen Stratton a couple Mm. of years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to learn about their fatherhood experience. Also, I'm a little nervous because it's not something that I talk about regularly and I don't want to say the wrong thing
1: there is still a lot about this conversation that I have to learn and become accustomed to and understand fully way back in the catalog in episode 12. We talked to to a a person named Steven about his transgender story um, and his experience as a, as a dad. And although this is, going to be similar in some ways it's a completely different story it's from a it's a different person and it's it's a different experience and it's a different perspective and so i'm i'm looking forward to this because it it, it, you know it still is something to me that feels very new that i'm it's it's a it's a a world that i still just have a lot of learning to do and a lot of you know things to
0: understand you know, better. I think when you don't, at least for me, and this is something that we talked about with Stephen a couple of years ago, when I don't have the words for something at the ready, I am almost intimidated to talk about it because I don't want to use the wrong words and I don't want to offend somebody. And I think, or you know, like an idiot
1: of, or look like an idiot, which is a thing that stops a lot of people from engaging in, in conversation and around
0: a topic that they might not feel well-versed in. Exactly. Because also it's not necessarily my business to be asking questions anyway, because this is a person who is far more than the sex that they identify with. I guess my point is that for me, I don't have the opportunity to sort of talk openly about this or to ask questions about it. And when I do like is it something that, that that person wants to talk about or wants to be asked about? Or are they just trying to live their life and not have that be the thing that they're constantly yeah. being asked about or speaking about? Yeah,
1: that's exactly, exactly right. I mean, that's right. I mean, presumably Tessa's joining us today because she's willing and open and, and wants to be a part of the conversation, but we can't make the assumption that, she's willing to speak on behalf of an entire group, you know, and that's right. And that's, and this is, that's some, when we, when we talk about differences in gender and differences and things like race, that's a sort of a common, um, like you want to go to a person who is a different, you know, let's say you want to talk about the differences between, you know, black people and white people. And you want to go and say, you want to, I want to have a conversation with a black person so that I can better understand. But that's a, that's, I'm making a huge assumption, you know, in saying that number one, whoever that person is, wants to be the advocate, wants to be a teacher, wants to, wants to field a bunch of questions. That's one set of assumptions where I could just be completely wrong and off base the other set of assumptions is that that person's viewpoint is the viewpoint of a whole group of. I'm I'm immediately lumping all black people together.
0: That's right, and it's not a person of color's job to teach us mm-hmm. about right. the history of inequality and mm-hmm. racial injustice. Just like it's not the job of a trans dad to mm-hmm. tell us how their life is different and how people look at them and ask them inappropriate questions that are none of their right. business. Right. I mean, I think that that's, that's why we have to be grateful that we have this, this platform where we can invite people into a conversation who are willing to talk about it and not just to educate us, but to, to help our whole audience learn and develop the, the tools and the language to be able to have productive respectful conversations. All right. Tessa's in the waiting room. Let's do this. Let's not keep her waiting.
1: We are excited to welcome Tessa White to the conversation. Tessa is a parent to five kids. Uh, She lives in Oklahoma city where she runs an HVAC company Tessa is a transgender woman and very involved in her community supporting LGBTQ plus pride and equality. Tessa, thank you so much for being here and chatting with us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Five children. Tell us tell us about your family. That sounds like a lot of kids. I have two kids and I'm, I'm constantly exhausted and overwhelmed.
2: Well, I have a 26-year-old who is a... Um, he calls himself a paid athlete. He's a power lifter from Boston. And wow. I have, um, that was from my first marriage. On my second marriage, we had two sets of twins. Okay. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. The twins, the twins are now, and excuse, pardon my voice. I've been sick for the past few days, so I sound horrible. People will be like, yeah, listen to that trans girl with her deep voice. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so the twins are now 12 and 17, and oddly enough, they were all one pound, 14 ounces, all four of them. When they were born, they they, wow. were, they were considered micro preemies. Yes. Yeah, so, That's
1: small. Wow.
2: Yeah. So we're so lucky to have them. And, um, you know, they're just they're wonderful kids through and through. So in total, it's four boys and one girl. That's amazing. I just, I'm
1: going to take a minute and marvel at two sets of twins. That's incredible. I, I have, I have a, I have twins, so I'm, I'm a dad to twins. Oh, awesome. Yes, they're, they're four. Um, but. It, it, oh, it's, you poor man! <laughs> it's, ex- it's exhausting to think of, of to think of having one other child, much less another set of twins. Is just <laughs> Well, we belong to the same
2: club, don't we? Well,
1: I, I yeah
0: yeah, I'm, I, you're in a whole nother level though of that club. So, Tessa, when we spoke on the phone recently, uh, I shared this with you, but I want to say it again here. I learned of you from a Facebook post where you shared a story about receiving a pin from someone. And, and for our listeners, I'm, I'm referring to like a lapel pin. Um, pin. And it's from <laughs> that's the pin right there. That's, that's the, the one. All right. And it's from the group dad's hug too. Yes. It has the words she slash her slash dad on it. Yes. And I, can you provide some context for our listeners on the story of receiving that pin and what that message she, her dad means to you.
2: Sure. Well, I I was a speaker at the um, transgender um, day of remembrance. We call it T door in Oklahoma city. And afterwards, you know, dad hugs too, um, with one of my really good friends, Aaron Edwards and his wife, Dina, super cool. And they had this little bonfire going and, um, you know, I'm sitting down there talking to Dina, Aaron's wife. And she has on this button, she, her, dad. And I looked at that button. I was like, you know, holy cow, like that is meant for me. Like, where did you get that? <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people there were surprised that I was so excited over this button. You know, but the thing is, the, the trans world is a very difficult world to try to navigate. Very difficult. And we're not just black and white Um everything's on a spectrum, okay? So, you know, we have really super feminine trans women on one side, and then we're going to have, like, our, the equivalent of a butch lesbian off on the other side, you know? And I'm kind of right in the middle, but I'm a realist through and through. I'm a retired police officer, retired uh, patrol sergeant, so I'm a realist. I'm a former Marine and, you know, my kids want to call me dad. So, I've taken so much heat from the trans community. Like, how could you let your kids call you dad? And it's like, hey, that's what I am. I'm their dad. Mm-hmm. When I first came out, I immediately went on to a board position with what they call P-Flag, Oklahoma City, which is uh, parents, friends of families of gays, lesbians and trans people. It's, it's like a family organization for the LGBT community. And they were doing my bio, and in the bio, they said, well, how do you want yourself listed as a mom or dad to your children? And I didn't know at the time. And, and I said, ah, uh, their mother. List me as their mother. And, oh, I you know when something happens and you just know it's not right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is no one I respect more in this world than my ex-wife. And I heard her a couple days later banging at my door to my house and I peek outside and I could tell she is fuming mad uh, she only lives a few miles down the road so I opened up the door I was like what did I do now and she's <laughs> like you listen here missy she said you listen to me and you listen to me good there is one mother that those kids have and that's me and there's <laughs> one father that those kids have and that's you and don't ever mix that up again and you're going to wow. fix this right And I said, yes, ma'am, I certainly will. (laughs) And I fix it right away. Uh. And, you know, like, that was an important turning point for me was for me to stay in my lane, too. And to show due, due, due respect to the mother of our children. So that was a big big moment for me. And she scared the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) So when I saw this pin, I just couldn't even get over it. And, you know, Dina, who is wonderful... She just took the pin right off of her shirt and she put it on mine. And it really speaks volumes as to who I am as a trans female and who I am as a person.
1: Yeah, I feel like you said something really important. It it was a small, a small thing. Uh, Earlier, you you mentioned being a, a person and it's we tend to do this thing where we really get wrapped up in a group that we associate with, you know, and we almost, sometimes we identify with the group before we identify with ourselves as individuals. Yes. But, but, but we are all individuals and there's absolutely nothing wrong with just having that viewpoint of I'm coming at the world from me as a person.
2: Well, you know, especially now with the trans women in sports thing, you know, Mm. and my kids come into play with this too. And Oh, let me tell you, my daughter approached me, my 12 year old only daughter and said, dad, if I work so hard at sports and, you know, out of nowhere, this trans woman comes along and beats me and you think there's an unfair advantage. Are you going to stick up for me? And I'm like, uh, hmm. you, you better believe it, kid. Like if I thought there was an unfair advantage, I'd be the first one to come unglued over that, hmm. you know. So i voiced my opinion on this recently And let me tell you, Uh, it wasn't pretty. I mean, I got called every name in the book. One of these trans people told me to go kill myself. I mean, it was really ugly. But like you said, like you said, Mark, like we have a right to our opinion. But in the trans community, sometimes that gets lost. And I, I totally, totally, totally think the trans woman in sports issue has got to be refined. You know, we've got to we've got to revisit this again. This is a huge problem. We are losing so many supporters right now because of this. Yeah. In Oklahoma today, Governor Stit just signed a law that trans women can't compete in sports in Oklahoma anymore. And you know, my my point is wouldn't it be so nice if the trans community would have said, "Hey, we agree that they're is going to be unfair advantages at some points. We would love to enlist your help and together maybe we can come up with a solution yeah. where we're all going to be happy. But no, we don't want to do that. We just want to like hold up our middle finger. We want to say, no, nope, it's either all or nothing. And this is what's happening. Now all these laws are getting passed. So I'm going to speak my line on that too. I was
1: thinking about a post on the the, um, Dad's Hug To page. Somebody said the phrase, Dad is a state of mind. And I just wonder, like, how do you interpret that? How does that hit you when you hear that? Being a dad is a
2: state of mind. Well, I mean, first and foremost, being a dad comes with so much responsibility. Hmm. And no one ever says we're going to do it right And, you know, you've got to have that dad state of mind to be able to pull this off over the years. This isn't easy, but it's the greatest honor a person could have. You know, I used to say greatest honor a man could have. I'd say greatest honor a trans female could have in my eyes is being a dad. Hmm. So, you know, it saddens me that my kids have suffered, though. My younger 12 year old twins they could care less about anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they love me. They'll go anywhere with me. They don't care. But my 17-year-old boys aren't too thrilled. And honestly, you know, I always look at it from my point of view, how I would have seen it. And, you know, if my if I was 17 and my dad turned into this chick, I wouldn't be going anywhere with him either or her. You know what I mean? I'd be like, no, mm-hmm. uh-uh. good luck with that, sweetheart. And I just wouldn't wouldn't do that. So it does hurt me because I want to be even more of a dad, but I've really had to back off and I've had to, um, I've had to understand what's going through their minds Mm -hmm. and quit putting pressure on them to allow me to be so involved in their lives whenever they need a little bit of distance, you know? Yeah. So that also, when you want to talk about a state of mind, I mean, that was mind bending to try to get myself through that and to try to pull the kids through it. And, you know, all but one child has pulled through great. You know, I have one 17 year old son that still is not digging who I am. And, you know, I understand I get it 100 percent. But so interesting to to
1: to think back to those periods of times now being a parent, you know, it's just something that comes up a lot in our chats with people that it's a it's a trying to put ourselves in, in, in their shoes. Now the shoes that we've been in, but we're now in, we have just such a different
2: set of eyes, you know, looking back. (laughs) Yeah. And my, my set of eyes are a lot more different and a little more complex, unfortunately, but you know, it's like, I'm, I am a hyper, hyper hypersensitive person. Now that doesn't mean I'm reaching for the box of tissues all the time. It just means that like I pick up on little things and to be able to empathize and look back, like you're saying, at 17 years old, Mm. at 17 years old, I was hanging drywall with my Hell's Angel stepdad. You know, like I was in a man's world altogether. Again, I couldn't imagine if he put on girls clothes like I'd I'd run screaming. So it's like you do need to remember where they're coming from and, you know, and cut them that slack when you can. And and I really have learned to do that.
0: That's a great segue into this question. Uh, When we spoke on the phone last week, Tess, you uh, shared a story with me about one of your younger daughters asking you, to accompany her to a dance. And and I think it's a really, there's sort of a really powerful message there. Can you share that story with our listeners?
2: Oh, I would love to. And again, I got really reamed out by the trans community on this one. Mm. The daddy-daughter dance.
0: The mm. first one,
2: actually, I've gone to two of them now, but the first daddy-daughter dance, my daughter Charlie said, you know, daddy, you're going to take me, right? I said, of course I am, kiddo. Wouldn't miss it. I said, well, you know, it's going to be a little different with the way I dress. And I said, is that going to be okay?" She says, well, I really want my old daddy to be there. Hmm. And, you know, of course, I start crying right away. And I'm like, (laughs) instantly, no problem, you know. So, again, I enlist help from my ex-wife and made sure to put my hair back. And I put on a suit for the first time in a few years and I could not have been more proud to take her to that dance. And and we did it again after. It was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. And, and it was wonderful. It was magical that night. I'll never forget it, and I don't think she will either. Mm. What was most difficult is watching all the guys that were there mm. looking at me because trying to figure out just— what I was, you know, that was the most difficult part was watching their pain and their faces trying to figure me out. But, you know, it's just it is a no brainer. And it's just like you've you've just got to do it. And you do anything. I mean, what is it? What is that? I see it online sometimes when your daughter hands you a play telephone You pick that up and you say hello no matter what, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right? And that's what you do. That is what you do. So I I just, you know, I love my kids and it's those little things that you, you just can't ever, ever, ever get back once you lose them. And I already have enough regrets. You know, I've already lost about two years with my kids over my own foolishness with this whole trans thing. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I will not lose another second with them along the way.
0: You mentioned that at that dance, the most challenging part was just other dads looking at you and trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, But that's I mean, that can't be something that's unique to a daddy daughter dance. I mean, you must be dealing with that bullshit all the time. Like, is it exhausting to. You know, uh, maybe I'm making an assumption here, but I'm guessing you probably, whether you want to or not, have to talk about this one aspect of your life a lot and deal with a lot of looks and a lot of questions and a lot of shitty comments. Is
2: that accurate or am I is that conjecture? You're right. And and, and I have to tell you, I'm six three. I'm only going to admit to being 220 pounds I'm the size of an NFL linebacker. And um, I have a lot of life experience under my belt. I walk with a lot of command presence, shoulders back, chin up. I try to, to take command of who I am and have a lot of pride in who I am. I didn't realize, especially being a police officer, you know, when you walk into a store as a police officer, and I always looked really good in uniform, all eyes are on you, all eyes are on you. It's unnerving. Hmm. But I had 20 years of that, of dealing wow. with it. Now, when I come out as transgender, you are dealing with that times 100. And now you don't know what to say. And, and you know, I used to have to sit outside before going into a grocery store or a department store. I would have to sit outside my car 10, 15 minutes and mentally psych myself up, you know, because you were going to go through an array of. Uh, Of just about anything you can imagine You know, God hates you You're an abomination I mean, I've heard it all I've heard it all And yeah, it is bullshit But after a while You learn to turn it back around You catch somebody staring at you And you're like, hey, how are you? You know, you take it as a perfect opportunity To say hi to these people And to tie this back into my kids My kids notice it now And that was hard. And, you know, I can't insulate them from that very much. What? I just don't take them to the store anymore. I don't go buy them things. No, you know, they're going to have to go along this with me. And and I hate it. I hate it. You know, just like the whole trans thing. I wish this whole trans thing would have just left me alone. I hate this whole trans thing coming into my life and absolutely turning everything upside down in my life. But, you know, when we say this is not a choice, I'm telling you, this is not a choice. It is not because I, I, for one, being as hypersensitive as I am, never thought I could go through a transition, not in a million years. Hmm. And it's just that voice gets so strong after so many years. You're you're helpless. I explain it like a freight train. You're chugging up the mountain, this big freight train your whole life. Nice and slow. You just kind of deal with it. But then that train goes over the crest of that mountain down the other side. You throw out every anchor you have to slow that train down. And that train is just going where it's going. You know, and this is what this train looks like. And I wish it wasn't like this, but it is. So you make the best of it. And and yeah, my kids have to pay for it in small ways. And I hate it. Do you, do you find that their friends or peers...
1: Are they, are they dealing with ridicule on that level
2: at all? Well, what's funny today with the younger kids, they're way more accepting. You know, yeah. I graduated in 1985, nobody, but nobody told who came out as gay, trans or otherwise back then. Right. You know, the younger kids are very accepting. I don't have an issue with that. They don't have an issue with it. It's interesting that just this morning,
0: Before my, I have two daughters who are eight and five, and before they went off to school, I asked my eight year old, I said, if you made a new friend at school and you learned that they had a parent who was assigned male at birth, but knew that they were female, and so they lived their life as a female, are there any questions that you would want to ask your friend about it? She said, "Um, Do you have a picture? And I said, sure, I can show you a picture of Tessa. And she looked and she's like, huh? And she's like, I wouldn't have any questions. (laughs) I was like, I was like, okay. At first I was thinking, is she nervous about asking a question? Cause she doesn't want to offend. And I said, it's, that's great. It's fine. If you don't have any questions and it's fine if you do have questions, but she said, no, I just don't have any questions. And I thought like, Maybe that's a, a really good thing and a sign that this next generation is just not going to be a thing. You know, you're, you're not going to get those looks. And I found that really encouraging. I'm encouraged to hear you say that about your younger kids, too.
2: Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and it's a it's a wonderful indication of what is to come now. Like my younger nieces and nephews all switch me from their uncle to their aunt right away. You know, Mm -hmm. honestly, I would have been happy. They left me their uncle. It didn't matter to me. But they did that, you know, um, voluntarily and just automatically. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a it's a huge sign, huge sign.
1: So something that's so like prevalent right now in like the national discussion about this is around uh, gender and particularly pronouns. I was thinking about what you said about young kids being more comfortable with it, you know, and what Adam said about his young daughter, which, you know, some of that's really clear, right? It's like the a lot of the bias that we sort of kind of get thrust upon us as we grow and experience more of the world's not, not there yet for her. And she'll, she'll grow up hopefully in a world where, you know, there is a little bit more just like understanding you know, an acceptance and comfort around this notion that I'm going to be who I am as an individual. Right? I'm going to be my authentic self, whatever that may be. But I was reading this article it was like a Pew research thing and around pronouns in, in particular, um, you know, people in Americans, it was, it was a, it was, it was a poll of Americans still very like almost kind of 50, 50 split with the level of comfort around using gender neutral Pronouns. I just wonder if you have an opinion or a thought or, or 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 anything to add to the discussion. Like, how do we sort of successfully, you know, make the shift where in our society we're just generally speaking become more comfortable with with gender neutral pronouns? And maybe why is it important that we get there?
2: Oh, I definitely have an opinion on it. <laughs> and <laughs> LGBTQ, the LGBTQ community, you put LGBTQ+, plus. now you have to put 2 uh, LGBTQ plus, and then there's a bunch of other letters, and, even, you know, I hang around 99% men, gay men, that's about all I hang around, and we bitch, piss, and moan about this all the time, like, holy freaking hell, how many more letters are we going to add to our small little family, because We're like the catch-all for everybody now. I have to tell you, at first, I really wasn't too sensitive to pronouns. Hmm. You know, I know know what I look like, but after a while, and I think especially after I I went through getting my, my new boobs, right? You know, I'm like, hey, hair's long, fingernails are done, boobs are in place. You know, I've been on hormones for eight years. You know, maybe you could just start calling me a her or she and, you know, that would be really nice of you. And I have to say 75% of the time I get what I want out of that. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned gender neutral, the they, them Mm -hmm. pronouns. And I am telling you, that one is, it it kills me. Mm -hmm. And I always think, do you remember when Prince, (laughs) the rock star Prince went Uh to a symbol? (laughs) Yep. Do you remember that?
1: Oh, yeah, formerly, yeah. Yeah, the the, the, the uh, artist formerly known as.
2: <laughs> and and now he's got a symbol. Interview. They had an interview with his housekeepers, and they're like, we don't know what to call him, so we just say, <laughs> hey, you, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's how they talk to him. Well, with the gender neutral pronouns, they, them, and I know several non binary people, you know, um, that means they don't identify as either male or female. I understand where they're coming from. I know to most of the straight community, it doesn't make any sense to them at all, and I get that. But it is so hard to know what to call them.
0: Yeah. So
2: in my eyes, and what I've noticed a lot of times, is they'll just accept whatever pronoun you throw at them. Hmm. But I know to the general straight community, it's very confusing. And, and honestly, to, to us, In the LGBT community, sometimes it's confusing to us too.
0: The thing that I think about with pronouns is I will call somebody whatever they want to be called. And if I call them the wrong thing and they correct me, great. I want my children to grow up feeling the same way, calling people, referring to people however they want to be referred to. But when I think about. The conversation around pronouns being very prevalent, you know, even my my older daughter's in the second grade, you know, and it's and she's aware of it, you know, and she's open to it. And what I wouldn't want to see is for it to become a thing that's popular to do, to change your pronouns, even if you do not identify as non-binary, only because I wouldn't want for the meaning to be taken away from the people who actually do identify that way. Does that make sense? Like I wouldn't want it for it to become diluted for the people who really benefit from being able to choose pronouns. Does. Do you have
2: any thoughts on that? I do. Um, You know, some of them are going to do it. Like you said, you know, Hey, I need a change. Maybe they're feeling, you know, now that all this is, is at their access, Maybe they're like, hey, maybe I'm feeling like, you know, right. more feminine than I am masculine. And I don't think there's anything we're going to be able to do to prevent people experimenting and making that error in judgment. But this is where I definitely think that, you know, psychotherapy, having some type of counseling service is is absolutely vital, you know, hmm. because... You know, even at, when I was like at the age of 32, when all this really came to a head for me, I thought I was going freaking crazy. I mean, I thought I was completely losing my damn mind. And it took years of me sorting through all this before I finally was comfortable to say, yes, this is for sure who I am. And there's no going back. You know, this is a one way trip. You know, and that is another hot button right now with the general public, with the straight public, wanting to make sure that children will be okay. Wanting to make sure that children aren't going to make a horrible mistake, so they think. And I think counseling is vitally needed to make sure that that we keep that to to a minimum. But the one thing that does scare me, and I have seen this twice now, is a child will tell a parent, "Oh, I feel like a girl," and the parent like takes it and runs with it. And then mm. there was two cases mm. where it really scared me. I'm like, "You need to let your child work this out. Don't go jumping and, and and taking this too far too quick. You know, let this work itself out." And sure enough, both of those cases. Those children, after a couple of years, went back to their born gender. You know their their wow. their gender at birth. So, so it's concerning for me. It is.
0: Yeah, we talked a little bit about dad's hug too. You mentioned P flag. Are there any other you know groups, uh, uh, social media groups, resources that you find particularly useful in terms of just normalizing the the conversation?
2: You know, when I came out in Oklahoma City, right here in this red state, we have a gay district here. And I mean, I was out six out of seven nights a week. I was getting to know who my my new family was. I was going through all these experiences. And life was great. It was a whirlwind for two or three years. You know, your feet never even touched the ground. You had a whole new culture to explore. Nothing was a substitute for life experience. Peer group meetings are so important. You know, there are so many wonderful people in that community. And we have so many good parents, too. Yeah. We need to be good human beings and keep that dialogue always going. And that's why having a chance to get on here tonight and speak to you guys was ended up being really important to me, to be honest with you. You know, and I, and I just don't know how to thank you enough for having me come on. Especially because it involves my kids so much, and and I just think it's wonderful what you're doing. So, well, I I mean, I feel like that's such a great
1: place to sort of put a pin in this conversation. I and and we really appreciate the fact that that you took the time to come on and and chat with us. This is an ongoing conversation for us. Anything that's related to being a dad, and what it means to be a dad, to, to to try to become better at being a dad, and you know, becoming better humans. So it we're really appreciative of the fact that you came on and and you chatted with us. And it's been a great conversation. And thank you for coming on and sharing.
2: Thank you, guys. I, I appreciate it, too. And I will not forget this night. I guarantee it.
0: If you like Modern Dadhood, you want to learn more about it, you can find us at moderndadhood.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Pocket Casts, any of them, wherever you listen, please leave us a quick rating and review. It goes a long way to helping us build our audience. Also, as you're gathering with some friends this weekend, other parents, let them know about the show. If you can't get enough Modern Dadhood from
1: the podcast itself, you should check out our YouTube channel because we have some fun, silly things. We also have a Facebook page. Sometimes you'll see some fun things. While you're on the internet, you can go
0: to the ModernDadhood.com and pick up a hoodie. Yes, we have t-shirts and dad hoodies available at ModernDadhood.com. Just click the shop button. We would invite you to email us anytime. Hey at ModernDadhood.com. Let us know if there's any topics you'd like to hear about, any guests you'd like for us to have on. And we want to send out a couple of thank yous. We want to thank Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Alby for the music in Modern Dadhood. We want to thank Pete Morse, as always, at Red Vault Audio for making the show sound so awesome. That's redvaultaudio.com. And thanks to Tessa White for joining us. And Mark, over to you, sir.
1: And thank you for listening.
0: Come <laughs> on.